The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. This time, 10 years from now, Salt Lake City will almost certainly be hosting the 2034 Winter Olympics. And one of my favorite aspects of the runway to this decision was the resurrection of the Hoberman Arch, a relic of the 2002 Games in Salt Lake that I think is a great synecdoche for the Olympics as a chaos agent. So last fall, in the middle of a contentious mayoral race and a hopeful bid, we dove into this topic the rise, fall, and rise again of the Hoberman Arch. Because the story of this metal hunk has been living rent-free in my head for years. It's Friday, December 29th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Ali Vallarta, let's get right to it. Why are you so obsessed with the Hoberman Arch? Uh, okay. I have to tell you. So my mom picked me up at the airport a couple, maybe like a week ago. And as we were leaving the Salt Lake City Airport, the now fully constructed Hoberman Arch greets you right when you leave the airport. And I was driving. We're headed back to my apartment. My mom was in the passenger seat. And she goes, oh, dear, what is that hideous thing? (laughs) And anything, first of all, that elicits that kind of response in my mother is going to give me a giggle. <laughs> but as you know, I've been obsessed with the arch long before that. So when she asked, yeah. I was like, I'm so glad you asked. We have lots of time left in this car ride. Let me start from the beginning. You're like, pull up a chair, Sue. Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that I do, I am of the opinion that it's kind of a hideous thing, which like to each their own, right? I do think it is a bit of a synecdoche for political dysfunction and collective memory in Salt Lake City. And the arch is sort of the like ill-fitting, bizarre, but also missing puzzle piece of our like Salt Lake City Olympic legacy. And so seeing it restored, it's like it's it's like the cake topper of mm. Salt Lake City's Olympic legacy. And yeah, I mean, it went missing for basically 10 years and now it's at the airport. And honestly, I want to go visit it every day. (laughs) Well, I'm surprised you're not making a pilgrimage there right now. Thanks for being (laughs) here today to talk about the history of this arch and what it means, because I got to tell you, I did not know about the Hoberman Arch until Mm. you told me about the Hoberman Arch, and you are a (laughs) transplant to this state, okay? Like, I was in third grade here in Utah when the 2002 Olympics happened. The Hoberman Arch was so not on my radar at that Mm -hmm. time. Why is this arch a thing, Allie? What's the Olympic lore of this arch? Before we get into that, I do want to ask you, Emily, what 
do you remember about the Salt Lake Olympics? Like, if the arch <laughs> didn't make your list, like, what are the top three things you remember? Okay, core memory. They made all of the elementary school students in the state do, like, a musical performance program. No, they did not. <laughs> yes, they did. And I can sing you every single song from this damn musical program, Allie. <laughs> 2K2. 2K2. Um, <laughs> oh, it's God. just in my brain. Um, yeah. So that's what I remember. I also remember uh, Olympic pins. There were these mm. really cute Olympic mascots like bunnies and bears. So, you know, that was really important to me as a third grade girl. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's basically it. I got to be honest. Oh, also Roots Berets. Roots Berets. Yes. Mm-hmm. Roots, which is a Canadian company. But yeah. Do you remember, and again, I know that like you were in third grade, but do you remember that things were bad leading up to the Olympics? Like, do you no. remember adults being like, oh, things are bad? No way. No okay. way. Never heard of Mitt Romney. You know, like this was a, this was my childhood. It was mm. idyllic. It was. <laughs> <laughs> you were busy playing in a cul-de-sac. It was in Leighton. I didn't have anything to worry about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, things were bad, Emily. Like, so... Let's place ourselves in time here. 2002 Winter Olympics. This is going to be in the wake of the September 11th terrorist attacks in 2001. The United States of America was about to host the Olympics for the first time since 1980 on American soil. Like, we needed this to go well, right? Like, the mm -hmm. whole country was looking to Utah to pull this off. <laughs> no pressure. Utah residents were, meanwhile, incredibly frustrated by construction. I mean, I think, like with anything, and again, I'm obsessed with the re-remembering of all of this, if you polled people, you'd probably get a really mixed bag of, like, how they felt about the Olympics. But, like... I mean, I-15 was basically constructed for the Olympics. Like, people were putting up with a ton of construction. You and I know hosting the show how much it pisses Salt Lakers off now. You can't even imagine what it was like <laughs> in 2001, okay? And then there was the corruption. So we were well on the way to disappointing the American dream of pulling off the Olympics. I would like to read you a small excerpt that Hunter S. Thompson wrote in ESPN's page two, where he had a regular column, of course, Hunter S. Thompson of like fear and loathing in Las Vegas sort of fame. Get a load of this. The barren state of Utah took another cruel beating in the public prints last week, and the 2002 Winter Olympic Games slipped another foul notch towards the abyss. <laughs> First, it was felony bribery, then a rash of scandalous sex crimes, and finally a plague of meat-eating crickets. It's an open secret now that Salt Lake City's giddy ambition to host the first Winter Olympics on U.S. soil since 1980 is doomed to shame and failure. So that's where you got that tattoo on your wrist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... So things were bad, right? Things like, were bad. And like, here's the history lesson. Enter at that point, Mitt Romney, who takes over basically as CEO of the Olympics, we'll call it, was ostensibly the role. And phase one of the heroification of Mitt Romney, okay? So while all this is going down, the Salt Lake Olympic Committee is like, we need something to really give the stage at the Olympic Medals Plaza some oomph, right? 
we we need something to distract from the corruption <laughs> that just happened. Is that what you're saying? I mean, plans were laid for the arch, I think, before the corruption, but it was it was all happening at once, right? Like it okay. was a it was a cauldron, we'll say. It wasn't it wasn't a storage unit. <laughs> and so they commission the Hoberman Arch. It's called the Hoberman Arch because it was designed by Chuck Hoberman, a designer from New York City who specializes in like this kind of large-scale metalworking. Do you notice that every time I say the Hoberman Arch, I feel the need to raise my hands above yeah. my head and make like a square with Yeah. <laughs> it's like name in lights, like the Hoberman Arch. So this thing, if you haven't seen it, Salt Lake, weighs 31,000 pounds and is made of 4,000 pieces of metal. When fully constructed, it's 36 feet tall and 72 feet wide. And it is kind of an arch. It's like a very thick arch made of almost it looks like woven together pieces of metal. Mm -hmm. It's made to look like the iris of an eye and it opens and closes. That so it's retractable. And, and when it's closed, it does truly look like, like an iris. But when it's open... It reveals the Olympic flame Whoa. and it looks more like an arch, right? It's like the eye of Sauron. <laughs> exactly. Is <laughs> that what they were going for? It's so funny to read old articles and the way that this thing is described. Like there's a different adjective like preceding the word Hoberman arch in like every paragraph of every <gasps> Salt Lake Tribune. It's like the stunning, the spectacular, the bizarre, the triumphant. Like, <laughs> So did people like it or did they not like it? I have absolutely no idea. I think you should ask. Like, listeners, can everyone please ask around if the Hoberman Arch is something that at the time people were jazzed on? I don't know. I think it's that thing when you're like in the heat of the moment and you kind of think everything's great, right? Like, yeah. look, we love big projects. Like, it was a big project. Totally. Like, this is the centerpiece for mm -hmm. the 2002 Olympics. What are you going to say? This is... This is the worst thing that could have happened to these games. Like. Yeah. yeah. And like U2 is performing on the stage, right? Like this is the stage where they hosted the medal ceremony. So like I think that in retrospect, because of the way it all went down, it's for me, this arch doesn't have a lot of gravitas. I think at the time it had gravitas. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. 
Fort Union is ICO's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. ICO Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead end street, so you get peace. ICO Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three bedroom work live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. So, Allie, the Olympics end and, you know, it is generally agreed upon that they were successful here in Salt Lake Mm -hmm. City. Profitable, famously profitable. Right. But now we've got this massive hunk of metal to deal with. So what happened to the Hoberman Arch after the Games? So this is where the story gets really incredible. So in 2003, people don't know what to do with the arch. (laughs) Can't just put it in a closet. (laughs) Can't just put it in a closet. Like, we don't want to disrespect the arch, but like, this thing's freaking huge. And it needs quite a bit of space in order to even open and close. So they move it. They basically strike this agreement, the municipality of Salt Lake, with the University of Utah to -hmm. move the arch to Rice Eccles Stadium until 2009. So from 2003 to 2009. And it's it's actually like the space they have for it is so small that it can't open and close. But the U is like, we'll take it. Like, let's everybody stay calm, right? Fine. Mayor Rocky Anderson, meanwhile, is part of a group of enthusiastic people who want to turn Pioneer Park into an Olympic garden. So mm. in his mind, he's like, the arch is going to go there. We're going to put in an ice skating rink that is a is a garden in the summer. The arch will be there. It'll be like an Olympic legacy park. Fun fact for Salt Lakers, by the way, because I know Pioneer Park is like, of course, now the home of our big farmer's market. There was also a time they wanted to put the aquarium there. (laughs) Oh, huh. This park has everything. This park has everything. So in August 2014, the University of Utah is like, hey, Salt Lake City, um, we know this is sensitive, but this arch was supposed to be gone in 2009. (laughs) It has been five years and it's not working. Like we need the space, time is up. So the city spends $116,000 to move the arch to an impound lot on 500 South because it's got to be disassembled again into the 4,000 pieces it's made (laughs) of. 
That is a lot of Rubbermaid tubs. Okay. (laughs) So the city mayor and like all these leaders and former members of the Olympic Committee are thinking about the arch. But I think day to day residents really aren't. And a good example of that is that around this time, Salt Lake City passed a $150 million parks and recreation bond, which is Mm. a ton of money. It made no mention of the Hoberman Arch. (laughs) It wasn't like, oh, yeah, we're going to use some of this money to put the Hoberman Arch in Pioneer Park where it belongs. No. Hmm. People were like, we just want like more rollerblading paths and like dog parks. We don't care about this thing. So one fateful Saturday afternoon at around 1.20 p.m. in January 2015, a witness clocks two people chucking pieces of the arch into the back of a white pickup truck. It is surmised, because there were no holes in the fence, that the way they did it was they climbed over the fence and then literally threw pieces of the arch over the fence into the bed of the truck. A woman is at the wheel. She's ready to drive getaway. They take off, presumably headed to a scrap metal, like a junkyard, to sell this thing off for profit. Ralph Becker at the time is the mayor. Rocky Anderson is no longer the mayor. So the arch gets moved to an undisclosed indoor location where Mm. it sat from January 2015 until this month when it reappeared at the Salt Lake City Airport. But like, do you remember when I mentioned that this arch has caused political hysteria? Yeah. Okay. So... Journalist Christopher Smart wrote this piece in the Salt Lake Tribune called Where Oh Where is the Hoberman Arch? And this was like the end of 2015. And here's a quote inside of it, just to give you a sense of like the tension. Rocky Anderson, Salt Lake City's mayor during the 2002 Winter Games, said he continues to be disappointed that the Hoberman Arch isn't on display at a prominent spot. He blames Mayor Ralph Becker for the arch's fate. (laughs) Okay, so there was at least one person thinking about the Hoberman Arch all these years, and that is Rocky Anderson. And as it happens, that person is currently running for mayor again as the Hoberman Arch has reemerged at the Salt Lake City Airport, shepherded by current mayor, his opponent, Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall. Okay, tell me more about this, Allie, because I get the sense that you get the sense that there's a little... (laughs) A little drama here, or maybe a little side eye, yeah. <laughs> since Mayor Mendenhall is the one who has resurrected the Hoberman Arch. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about yeah. that. I think that you think that I think that they think they're being clever. <laughs> yeah. I think everything is politics. And I think there's a little bit of political intrigue around this, because I think when people enter office and exit office, right, the same way that like sort of when you are a mayor of Salt Lake City and you're no longer the mayor, they unveil a painted portrait of you in the halls of, you know, Salt Lake City building. Elected officials are often thinking about their legacy. And so, yeah, like if you're really proud of this thing that you had a hand in creating, like you want it to be erected as part of your legacy and to like know that it's just like in an undisclosed indoor bunker because no one is properly respecting it. And then that like your opponent who, to be clear, like this mayoral race has not been, I wouldn't categorize it as being terribly friendly. I think it's been quite a contentious race. Um, To see that person sort of resurrected and get to give the speech and, you know, et cetera, Mm. et cetera. That's got to be kind of frustrating, right? Like, You know, Rocky's been kind of the Arch's big ally in the press. 
at the same time, my obsession with this arch isn't really about its dignity. It's about its indignity, right? It's about the way that we like always manage to spend money on things that serve our egos <laughs> hmm. when we have other big problems. And I think, you know, listeners of the show know that I'm not a huge fan of Salt Lake City's Olympic dream, though many have tried to convince me and come pretty close. Like, I do think it would be fun. But um, when I think about what I'd love for us to be focusing on in the aftermath of the Salt Lake City Olympics, it's not the arch, right? It's not the Kearns ice rink. It's not any of that. It's like thinking about how we didn't plan for the growth that resulted. Yeah, and all of the fallout from that lack of planning. Yeah. I mean, have you seen it, Emily? Like, have you gone down and seen it at the airport? Not yet. Okay, so this is what I wanted to ask you because you have now officially seen it in the mm. flesh after mm-hmm. having obsessed over it for <laughs> yeah. like at least the better part of a year. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you and I have been working together on this on this show, you've been talking about this arch. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen it, but I want to know like, what did you feel when you saw it? Oh, God. I mean, I just burst into a clear cackle. Tears. A clear cackle. <laughs> I mean, it's our Blucifer, right? Like the DIA, the Denver airport has that weird horse yeah. statue. Like this is now our Blucifer. Yeah. When they announced that it was going to be at the airport, I thought it might be close to the actual airport building or like maybe kind of on your way to the airport. Mm-hmm. But it is actually on your way from the airport. And I don't love that as much. I was wondering about the location Mm -hmm. because, I mean, in that way, it's really welcoming people to Salt Lake. Yeah. And is this the welcome message we wanted to send? I also Mm. think, you know, it's not like you can stop off on that off ramp (laughs) there and and figure out what the heck it is. Right. So you're left just confused as you drive into downtown. (laughs) Though, given the Arch's history, it kind of makes sense why they would want to put it in a place that's not easy to access. But I do agree with you. Like, I'm constantly kind of frustrated by Utah's bizarre decision making when it comes to our brand. Hmm. I mean, like, I think Life Elevated is brilliant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Office of Tourism knocked it out of the park. But like, you see that Arch, Emily, before you get to the Life Elevated sign. Before you get to the Welcome to Utah Life Elevated sign, you see that arch that says Salt Lake City. I can't remember exactly what it says, like Salt Lake City, home of the 2002 Winter Olympics, whatever. Yeah, when people arrive at our airport, like if you're a new jazz player (laughs) and you arrive at the airport, like that is the first thing you see driving out and into Salt Lake City. It catches your eye or it caught mine before you even catch a glimpse of the Wasatch Range. Yeah, And it's this like metal hunk like it's this like big brother-esque steampunk eyeball that says hey one time we did a thing my last question for you Allie you know we're looking down the barrel of a potential 2030 or 2034 Olympic Games yeah what's our next Hoberman arch Mm. well you know what I mean listen arches is a mess the lines in Moab are chaotic People are frustrated. Let's just go get Delicate Arch. <laughs> I think the people of Moab might be kind of relieved if that Dig it thing. Up. 
Dig it up. If that thing wasn't absolutely wreaking havoc on the one road in and out of their city, I think we could maybe do them a favor and bring it up here to Salt Lake County where uh, people could just take I-15 or hell, the Bangator Freeway <laughs> to go see it, right? <laughs> go big or go home, I guess. Arch 6.0. <laughs> Arch elevated. <laughs> Life archivated. <laughs> All right, Ali Bayarta, thank you so much for sharing the tale of the Hoberman Arch with us. Thank you, Emily. I promise to never talk about it again. <laughs> yeah, right. One more thing before we go. As we step into a brand new year, here's what I want to know. What is your Hoberman Arch? It's become an expression here at CityCast, like this or that thing is my Hoberman arch. Whether it's a piece of Salt Lake lore you think about regularly or a curiosity about the city that you just can't untangle or, my favorite, just an all-time rant, I want to hear it. I want to hear about it. It could be something we would like to explore in a future episode. So you can call and leave a voicemail or text us at 801-203-0137 or send an email to saltlake at citycast.fm. Get loud. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our executive producer is Emily Means. Our producers are Ivana Martinez, A.K. Almumen, and Lizzie Goldsmith. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria, and our host is me, Ale Vallarta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria, with additional music from all the kimonos. We are off Monday to celebrate a brand new year. But we'll be back Tuesday morning with more from around this city. And now please excuse me while I make the greatest dad joke of all time. See you next year. Bye.